Thank you for your presence today. During his earthly ministry, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That truth is as relevant today as it was then. If we had the mind of Christ, everything we think, say, or do would be fueled by the Spirit of God. Instead, Christians and non-Christians alike are often focused on worldly pleasures. The evidence is clear. Our emphasis is devastatingly derailed. Thus, everything God made perfect for us is broken. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander gets us back on track. You go and you just, uh, ha- just have a good time. Let her roll. The preaching and teaching has been replaced with praise and worship. Now you, it's going to get quiet now. Now praise and worship has its place and God is blessed by praise and worship. But when praise and worship go so long in the house of God until you have an hour of praise and 15 minutes of the word, it's all out of order. After you stand up so long on your feet till you, your, your feet saying, please sit down. Your feet saying, please sit down. Praise and worship. Praise and worship is good, it's healthy, but I ought not be on my feet for an hour and then get 10 minutes of the word and say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. No, Satan's going to wreak havoc in my life. I don't have enough word in me to spiritually inoculate me for what I'm, on, for what I'm coming into. You know, the Christ-centered preaching and teaching has been replaced by fellowship. People just love to get together and they eat themselves to death from the lost church. They gain calories. They get big from the lost church. Everything eating. You don't have food. Matter of fact, you got, got, you got to have food to get them to come. <laughs> that no food, I ain't come. What they going to have down there? <laughs> Jesus is here. <laughs> Jesus is here. Well, not to feed your way to heaven. The bread of life ought to be sufficient for you. (laughs) Fellowship, 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 fellowship. Oh, what a fellowship. Oh, what a joy divine. Oh, what a eating time. Oh, what a joy divine. (laughs) And there's something Christ centered, centered biblical teaching has been replaced by religious activities. Therefore, they have all kinds of stuff going on in the church. And not that it's bad, but, but it's a bad day when you can't have prayer meeting and Bible study, study because you got all these activities and all these options that go against the word of God and people can come to all these different ministries and all these different opportunities and don't get prayer and don't get the word and think they've done so well and your soul can be starving for the word of God from the church of God. Second Timothy 4 2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Preach the word. This says, and teaching. The substance, the content, line by line. Precept by precept, mulling it over, 
turning that word over until it gets solidified in your heart to uproot all that sinful baggage. Verse 35b through 36, the compassion of the Savior, the compassion of the Savior, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. What a passage. Jesus was a compassionate Savior. You need to write that thought down. Jesus was a compassionate Savior. Now you say, what does it mean to be compassionate? I'm going to give you some insight on that so you won't be misled. To be compassionate is to be moved inwardly for, for, for the condition of people. It is, to, it is to possess tender mercy for the condition of people. It is to possess affection and pity for the condition of people. It is to be moved with empathy for the needs of people. Isaiah 49, 13 says, Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people. You see that? For the Lord has comforted his people. Let me tell you something. When you know the Lord, and the Lord knows you, and you go through tough times, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord knows how to comfort you. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. I'm speaking to someone here today. You've been afflicted. You've been wounded. You've been hurt. You've been hurt. And God will comfort you if you don't allow yourself to become callous and hard and bitter. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses four and five also says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort. God is the God of all comfort. You want to know you, you want to know the, the supreme example of comfort. Look at God. Look at Jesus who comforts us in our tribulation. How many of you have had some tribulation, some hardship, some pain, some trouble? I tell you what, the God of all comfort knows how to come to you, and he knows how to settle you down. He knows how to put salve on you, spiritual salve. He knows how to heal your hurt that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble. You know how God, when God comforts you in the midst of your trials and your troubles, you know what? He's preparing you to be a tremendous source of comfort to others who are going through their times of hurt and pain and comfort and trouble and all of these things. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. I tell you something, God knows how to comfort. When you get in the pages of scripture and you let the Holy Spirit begin to work on you, God has a way of giving you peace in the midst of all that turmoil. He knows how to give you rest. He knows how to settle your spirit. Not only did Jesus preach the gospel, but he put his message into action. Jesus, who was the great physician, miraculously healed multitudes of people who were sick. 
He healed multitudes who were diseased uh, during his earthly ministry, which validated that he was the Messiah, God in human flesh. If your preaching and teaching does not move you to have compassion toward the very people you are ministering to, then there is a great spiritual disconnect. Did you get that? If your preaching and teaching does not move you to have compassion toward the very people you are ministering to, then there is a great spiritual disconnect. When you genuinely love people, you will have compassion for them in the midst of their poverty. That's why we uh, got that kitchen going over in Kabali, Africa, when that kitchen was wiped out and that school was closed and that school was not going to open until that kitchen was reinstated and you raised funds, we raised funds, and you gave over and above, not only to restore the kitchen, but to put utensils in the kitchen so those babies would eat, some of whom the only meal they have is when they eat lunch during school time. That's compassion. Why did you give like that? You didn't have to give. You, you could have just dropped a dime in or just said, well, next time. But you gave because you were moved with your compassion for those who are hungry, for those who are in crisis, for those who are worried. You have compassion on those. Why, why are you still worried? That was two years ago. You ought to get over it now. Stop saying that. You ought to get. But, they, but they're not over it. And stop telling them to get over it. Give them, the Lord knows where you are. And I want you to keep looking to Jesus. In him is hope. And he is our peace. And just one day at a time. I I know sometimes you have flashback, baby, but I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be all right. I've been there, and I'm going to tell you something. This too will pass. You hold on and watch God work. He's your Emmanuel He's with you, and he's going to keep you in times that you really don't understand. The Universal Church is commanded to seek the unsaved. No person, no place, no situation, no betrayal, no threat of physical harm was off limits to Jesus as he journeyed from place to place during his ministry to seek and save the lost. God expects no less from us. The Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart, and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we are to acknowledge him, and he shall direct our paths. Our omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God will equip us with everything we need to obediently carry out his will. Don't tell him, you got to get over it. It's been two years ago. Stop being so hard. You got to be compassionate toward those who are distressed, those who are living in fear and sickness, those who are in pain, those who are suffering. There are people under my voice right now, there's cancer in their body. There's arthritis in their body. There's somebody under my voice, you have eye problems. There's somebody under my voice, you're having children and grandchildren problems. There's somebody under my voice, you're anticipating surgery and you don't know what to do. There's there's some of you who have lost, I know, because I've heard and I've talked to you, and we've done funerals. You're stricken with grief in death of precious loved ones. 
and you're full of sorrow because you miss them down here. Yeah, you know where they are. You know they're in heaven, but you miss their presence here. Your compassion should move you to action. You need to write that down. Your compassion should move you to action. Where there's compassion, there is action. Where there's no action, there is no compassion. If, it, if, it, if, 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 if your compassion does not lead to action, if it does not, you need to ask yourself why. Beloved, where is your compassion for people in your life? Jesus had a balanced ministry. I want, to get, I want you to get that. This, is a, this message has so much in it. Jesus had a what kind of ministry? A balanced ministry. He was not only concerned about lost souls, he also met the emotional and physical needs of people as well. And I know they're on three corners, panhandlers, and said, I work for food, or, uh, I need money to eat, or this or that. When is the last time you rolled your window down? And gave them $2 or $5, perhaps even 10 I don't know. They're going to drink it up. They're going to smoke it up. I don't know what they're going to do with This is God's money. Oh, you, that kind of stuff makes me sick. No, you can't help all the people all the time. But God ought to convict you. To help somebody sometime. There comes a time where you ought to roll your wonder down and without a question, just reach in and give to the glory of God, not wondering about where it's going after afterwards. When you've given to God, you've obeyed God, and God's going to bless your obedience regardless of what they do with what you gave them. Did you get what I just said? I'll tell you something. I know we go, we go into a cashless society and we won't be able to do it, but that's the advantage of having cash in your pocket. Now, I'm not saying you have to have an exorbitant amount of cash and all that, but you ought to keep a little cash, some cash, more than a dollar now, okay, in your pocket where you can reach in and bless a child. And let me, oh, by, oh, by the way, thank you, Holy Ghost. A person shouldn't have to be poor for you to bless them. You know, some people got such small mind. Well, I look at the kind of car he drives or the kind of house he's living in. Or I look at how they dress. No, they don't need my money. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You, bless, you are blessed to be a blessing. And dare you put a, a restriction on people because you think they have something. That may be the greatest source of encouragement to that person because they know you love them with no strings attached. You understand? There comes a time you ought to roll your window down and be compassionate. I'm not saying every time on every corner. I know it's so, I, 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 I'm not saying that. Don't go out here and say, Pastor told me to give myself broke. <laughs> I didn't say that. Don't put words in my mouth. Don't have selective hearing. But your compassion for people 
ought to, ought to move you to action. Many, many in the crowd were not spiritually satisfied and had become weary because of being weighed down by the weight of sin. They were weighed down by religious tradition. They were weighed down by rituals. They they, they were, the scripture says, they were scattered. There were were shepherds on that day, false shepherds who were scattering the sheep. And you know what? There are a lot of shepherds who are scattering the sheep today. People get disconnected from the church. Haven't been to a church because somebody had a hidden agenda and they've shipwrecked lives, scattered the sheep. Our Lord says, for those who are weary, for those who are tired, for those who are overwhelmed with the pressures of life, I give you Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, which says, come unto me. I just love those first three words. You who are weary, you who are hurt, you who are mistreated, you who are disheartened, you who have been betrayed, you who have been backstabbed, you who have been slandered by the text and by the email and the tweets. Jesus says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And underline this, and ye shall have rest for your souls. As Christians, we must Be compassionate and give people hope, which only comes through Christ alone. Now, I'm going to transition and give you about three points, and then we're going to stop. I didn't get anywhere close to where I was going to stop. So I'm going to just stop uh, after these few. Uh, Why are there not more laborers for Christ in the the church and world today? Please write this subtitle down. Even if I forget the subtitle, write it down. Why are there not more laborers for Christ in the Lord's church and world today? Number one, the reason we don't have more workers in the church is that the church does not have more laborers because the church is not sincerely praying for more workers. They're not sincerely praying for more workers. That's why we don't have more laborers. You say, is that why? Yeah, according to verse 38, it says, therefore, pray. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Pray. He said, if you want more workers, pray. We have just prayed in circles for more laborers. It comes through prayer. Many saints, you know what many saints do? They complain that they are doing So much of the work while others are doing so little. But those same people that are complaining as they do the work of the ministry aren't praying for more laborers to come and work the harvest. So if you're exhausted, if you're tired, why don't you pray for more laborers? Number two, why aren't many laborers working? 
Why aren't there more laborers in the church? Number two, unless the workers are sent by God, they will not remain faithful laborers and abandon the harvest. Now, that's a big one. Did you hear that? Unless the workers are sent by whom? Now, if you if you went and wasn't sent, you're not going to last. Some of y'all just went. But you got to be sent by God. Unless the workers are sent by God, they will not remain faithful laborers and abandon the harvest. Those who have not been sent by God to work the harvest will soon leave because of a lack of commitment. They signed up for ministry fair in January, and by June, you can't find them. Uh, They leave their post because of busyness. They leave the harvest because of hurt feelings. Somebody looked at me. Somebody said something. They didn't say thank you. They forgot my name. They misspelled my name. But you got to realize when you're working, it's not about you. It's about God. Yeah, sometimes God allow your name to be misspelled or even overlooked to just test your spiritual maturity. Hurt feelings. Your, your feelings get hurt in the military. You don't get out and you got 19 years before one more year to retire and uh, some general hurt your feelings. So you're going to quit and lose everything. Oh, no, you stay. I'm going to sweat. I'm going to sweat. Look, 19 years. I'm sweating the rest of this out. On that job or wherever you are. You tell me you put 19 years out and somebody roll their eyes at you and you're going to print, you're going to raise your finger and tip out of that job and leave all of your benefit. Are you crazy? We need to take your temperature. Why is it that you can stay there? That, that boss can make all these changes, lay folk off, give you more work, longer hours. Care less about what's going on in your family. And, and, and you stay there and you sweat it out and you work it out and you do what you got to do. But when you come to the Lord's church, somebody say something wrong, criticize you, criticize your dress, criticize how you look, criticize your makeup, <laughs> criticize whatever your teaching, how you sing. Well, just think about it. Always see the, the spiritual part. Well, I might be singing off key, but they're not up here to sing at all. See, that's God to give you a spiritual perspective. Well, at least I'm up here off key. That's better than a pew sitter sitting there looking like they've been baptized in lemon juice. They leave the church because of hurt feelings. Get over it. You get leave the church because of worldly distractions. You know, oh, here's a bigger one. Leaving the church because you have a deeper relationship with people than you do God. You have a bigger, you have a closer and deeper relationship with people than you do God. They lead you around. They tell you where you go. Whenever issue come up, you call sister so-and-so, call brother so-and-so. Oh, I got this problem. Let me call them. Oh, I got that problem. I need to, they, they got to tell me any, many, money more, you know. And you just call, you call, and they call, they just rule in your life. God in your, they God in your life. That's right. They get out, you get out. They stop tithing. I don't know why you're giving all that. Then you cut back and you stop tithing. Well, Sister Jones ain't tithing, I ain't tithing either. That's stupidity. Nobody's going to mess with my blessing. 
not even Sister Jones or Brother Joe or whoever else, whatever God says, I'm going to do. Do you realize I declare today what's wrong with the church is that people are closer to people than they are their own God who saved their soul. And then when they leave the church for whatever reason, guess what? They're not really gone. They're all on your email still. They're still on your text and your tweet telling you what you ought to do, what you don't, what happened. I wouldn't do that if I was you. And they're not even here anymore. You little sucker. You're sucking up the folk. The Bible tells me it is better to obey God than man. And I'm not taking it back. And all God's children said, I'm going to stop right there. Ooh, I got a lot more to preach about. Where are the laborers? And Father, we thank you for this message. I know I didn't get too far, but that was enough. This was a teaching message this morning. And I thank God for the substance, the content. The Bible tells us to fear not, for God is with us. Be not dismayed, for he is our God. He will strengthen us. He will help us. He will uphold us with the right hand of his righteousness. We must not be afraid, nor ashamed, nor slothful. We must be bold. We must be willing. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is able and he won't fail. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas or call us at 210-821-5683.